Homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. The question that has been asked is, I've listened to some Dhamma teachers that say, it's wrong to want to become a stream entry. They say not to entertain thoughts about stream entry as it's linked to craving for existence. Is this true? When you look at the teachings of the Buddha, this kind of teaching doesn't seem to appear. And this also doesn't seem to be a question that's been asked of the Buddha either. And what's interesting about uh, the way that this is being taught is that it is posing one aspect of the Buddha's teaching about craving in order to discourage another part of the teaching on stream entry. And one thing that is true is that the Buddha encouraged stream entry that Buddha praised stream entry and he had much to say about stream entry and in particular to lay people when he was asked to give a teaching he could he would quite often uh, explain things that would enable someone to enter the stream and not only that he would explain something that would enable someone to self-declare stream entry so there's something at odds with the Buddha's teaching when you look at what is being taught. Now, this question is actually quite short, so it doesn't give much more detail about what these Dhamma teachers are actually teaching. So when we answer the question, just bear in mind that we're only answering based on some limited information. Now, there's three things that the Buddha would often say about stream entry. The first is that he would say that one is no longer bound to lower realms, so one is safeguarded from a bad destination and you can see why because usually one cultivates the Noble Eightfold Path and when you cultivate the Noble Eightfold Path you cultivate virtue, higher virtue and from that higher virtue you cannot be bound to bad destinations because your sealer is good. The other thing that Buddha would say is that one is fixed in destiny and by that the Buddha means that you are actually limited to only a certain number of lives. So the maximum that a stream enterer would be bound to is seven rebirths and they would only be in human and deva realms. And even then there are some stream enterers who have more developed um, spiritual faculties like they have sharpest spiritual faculties and they have developed uh, greater wisdom or concentration of mind and so in for those uh, types of stream entries, the number of rebirths uh, reduces. It can even be only one human rebirth. Now, the third thing that Buddha says is that uh, a stream entrer is uh, their destination will be Nibbana. So forever, for however many lives are remaining, at the end of those lives, the final destination will be Nibbana. So that's almost like a guarantee. And when you develop further along uh, path and fruit, whether it's a once returner, non-returner, then that reduces further. But the final destination for all Aryas, for all noble ones, is Nibbana. And so you are no longer uh, endlessly swimming in Sangsara. And so when you think about it like that, it seems at odds to have a teaching that says that you're still craving to existence if you desire, aspire, uh, 
or think about stream entry because stream entry actually limits that and actually you start to abandon certain things, realize certain things and develop certain things and understand certain things on the Noble Eightfold Path from the Four Noble Truths. So rather than just give this simple answer, let's look in a little more, bit more detail referring to the Buddha's actual words. Let's first look at the Mahapadesa Sutta because this will give us a framework from which to answer this question. So the Mahapadesa Sutta is Buddha's teaching on how to determine an authentic teaching of the Buddha. And he gives four great references. The first reference is someone who's teaching the Dhamma says that they've listened to it and heard it in the presence of the Buddha. So their teaching is coming from this direct uh, teaching of the Buddha. The second great reference is to someone who comes from such and such a monastery uh, with seniors and leaders. And so their instruction and teaching comes from that place. The third great reference is to someone who says that they're from such and such a monastery with uh, many seniors. And so their teaching instruction comes from that place. And then the final one is where someone says that they've learned from a single senior, a single theater. And so uh, their teaching instruction comes directly from that person. And so in reference to these four, the Buddha says, in all these cases, you should neither approve nor dismiss that mendicant statement Instead, you should carefully memorize those words and phrases, then check if they're included in the discourses or found in the text on monastic training. If they're not included in the discourses or found in the text on monastic training, you should draw the conclusion, clearly this is not the word of the Blessed One, the Perfected One, the Fully Awakened Buddha. It has been incorrectly memorized by that Sangha, and so you should reject it. So this is a very useful framework for any kind of question, any kind of issue regarding the Dhamma that we hear, that we read about, and that we try to practice or that we are encouraged to practice, particularly when it comes to modern teaching. So this is what we're going to do uh, to answer the question today. We're actually going to apply this. The Buddha emphasizes that it's really important for us to remember his teaching of the Four Noble Truths and to make effort to understand these Four Noble Truths. And in the Dutya Dharana Sutta, which is in Sangyutta Nikaya, chapter 56, discourse number 16, he says that as part of that, we mustn't accept any alternate teaching of the Four Noble Truths, that if someone comes along and tells us something different, whether it's the first noble truth, the second noble truth, the third noble truth, or the fourth noble truth, we need to substantiate it back to the Buddha's four noble truths. And if it isn't in line with the Buddha's four noble truths, then we need to discard it. So that's something to bear in mind as we continue to answer the question. Now, one important thing to remember about stream entry and about the realization of stream entra. If you remember the Dutya Sariputta Sutta, we looked at this in the stream entry talk, and this was discourse number five in chapter 55 of the Sangyutta Nikaya, the linked discourses. And Buddha and Venerable Sariputta were having this dialogue about definitions. 
And one of the questions was about the stream. The Buddha asked Sariputta, what is the stream? And the answer is that the stream is the Noble Eightfold Path, beginning with right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And then Buddha asks uh, Venerable Sariputta, you know, what is a stream enterer then? And so the answer is that a stream enterer is one who possesses the Noble Eightfold Path. So bear this in mind as we look into the Four Noble Truths. So if we look at the Four Noble Truths and the three stages of insight, this may help us to answer the question in another way. So as we know, the Four Noble Truths, the first is that uh, there is Dukkha. The second is that craving is the origin of Dukkha. The third is that there is the cessation of Dukkha. And the fourth is the way leading to the cessation of Dukkha is the Noble Eightfold Path. So the first stage of insight is knowledge of these four truths. And the second stage of insight is knowing what needs to be done. And so from the aspect of Dukkha, Dukkha needs to be fully understood. And in respect of the origin of Dukkha, craving needs to be abandoned. So Tanha needs to be abandoned. And these are the three different kinds of Tanha. So uh, craving for sensual pleasures, craving for existence, and craving for non-existence. And then when it comes to the cessation of Dukkha, then this is something that needs to be realized. And then when it comes to the fourth noble truth, well, the noble eightfold path needs to be developed. And then finally, the third stage of insight is knowledge of what has been done. So when Dukkha has been fully realized, craving has been fully abandoned, cessation of suffering has been fully realized, and the noble eightfold path has been fully developed. This is the final stage, and that can be declared by an arahant. So when we look at the stream entra, clearly the stream entra, as given by Venerable Sariputta and the Buddha, is someone who possesses the Noble Eightfold Path. So that means they're, they're developing the Noble Eightfold Path. When one develops the Noble Eightfold Path, the view is corrected. And so everything that comes after the right view leads to the correct uh, path leading to Nibbana. Now, what happens with stream entry when you look at this table is that one starts to understand Dukkha and one starts to understand the cause of Dukkha being craving for sensual pleasures, craving for existence and craving for non-existence. And in doing so, when you enter the stream, what you must remember is that Dukkha has been limited to only the Dukkha to be experienced in seven lifetimes maximum. And so in that sense, the cessation of suffering is, is being realized. And that's the result of Dukkha having been understood and craving to be abandoned. And so there's something happening with stream entry. And so when you look at the teaching that is being referred to in this question, that one should be discouraged from stream entry and thoughts around stream entry because it's craving for existence, it goes against what's happening with these stages of insight and the Four Noble Truths. Because development of the Noble Eightfold Path, entering the stream, means that you are limiting the amount of suffering 
that means you have abandoned and are wanting to abandon towards Nibbana all this tanha. And so as your wisdom grows, there is a direct correlation to the understanding of dukkha, the abandoning of craving, the realization of, of uh, the cessation of suffering and the development of the path. And so the more you develop from stream entrier to once returner to non-returner and then to arahant, you are relinquishing all different kinds of greed, hatred and delusion, all kinds of, of craving, including craving for existence. And so there's an element that is clearly not true about the teaching that says uh, one should be discouraged from thoughts and desires and wanting to become a stream enterer or any one of the noble beings because it's linked to craving for existence. If you want to go a little further with it, we can look at the Noble Eightfold Path and also reference to the Tenfold Path. In the Akusala Sutta, which is in the Anguttara Nikaya, Chapter 10, Discourse Number 136, uh, Buddha makes a distinction about wholesome and unwholesome. And so unwholesome is when you have the wrong view, the wrong intention, the wrong speech, the wrong action, wrong livelihood, wrong effort, wrong mindfulness, wrong concentration, wrong knowledge, and therefore wrong liberation. And so that's considered akusala, unwholesome. But what is kusala or wholesome is actually right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, right knowledge, and therefore right liberation. This is what is called wholesome. So when you develop the Noble Eightfold Path, you're developing it towards kusala and stream entry is extremely kusala. Now, when you look at the Noble Eightfold Path, you always want to begin with right view. And the Samadithi Sutta in the Majjhima and its discourse number nine is very helpful. It gives you various ways of ensuring you have right view. One of them is along the same lines as the previous sutta about wholesome versus unwholesome. And in this sutta, it said, when friends, a noble disciple understands the unwholesome and the root of the unwholesome, the wholesome and the root of the wholesome, in that way, he is one of right view, whose view is straight, who has unwavering confidence in the Dhamma and has arrived at this true Dhamma. So the wholesome and the root of wholesome, particularly, the root of wholesome is non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion. So the opposite, the root of unwholesome is greed, hatred, and delusion. So when you look at what is wholesome, we look at through body, speech, and mind, what is the right conduct? And this is the same as Dasakusala, the 10 wholesome conduct. So in physical terms, it's not killing, it's not taking what is not given, and it's not uh, sexual misconduct. And then when it comes to speech, you refrain from uh, false speech, harsh speech, divisive speech, and frivolous speech. And when it comes to the mind, then you cultivate uh, right view, you cultivate non-covetousness and non-ill will. And so the opposite is true for the unwholesome. The root of unwholesome is therefore greed, hatred, and delusion. And the unwholesome is the opposite of what we just said in terms of physical, verbal, and mental action. 
And so it's really important when we look at the cultivation of the Noble Eightfold Path that we begin with the right view, that we are cultivating wholesome and we are abandoning unwholesome. And when it comes to stream entry, the cultivation, the aspiration, the entering of, into the stream, that is very, very kusala. It's wholesome. And so it's not something that Buddha has discouraged. In actual fact, it is something that Buddha strongly encourages and teaches to people throughout the Sutta Pitaka. And when they have gained stream entry, then he says it's a wonderful and marvelous thing. And same for when you gain the path and fruit of once returner, non-returner and arahant. And when someone is able to self-declare, particularly when you read the suttas in the Sangyutta Nikaya chapter 55, uh, one example would be the Dhammadina Sutta where he is teaching Dhammadina and other lay followers. And Dhammadina is able to say that they, they take refuge and have unshakable confidence in Buddha Dhamma Sangha and they have the Aryakantha Sila which is the virtues dear to the noble ones then the Buddha says that is a gain for you that is well gained by you and so when Buddha talks in these terms you realize it's extremely kusala and so you are actually activating developing the noble eightfold path and this is in accordance with the four noble truths so it's very hard to uh, to say that it is uh, wrong and that it is linked to craving for existence in an unwholesome way. It's actually not. And when you develop the Noble Eightfold Path, you're really developing right effort. And there's this sutta called the Padana Sutta in Anguttara Nikaya chapter 4, discourse number 13. And it's all about striving and making effort, samapadana. And there are many suttas similar to this one, but in this case, if you remember, the four right strivings are around wholesome and unwholesome. So when it comes to the first right striving, Buddha is actually saying that you generate desire for the non-arising of unarisen, bad, unwholesome states. So this is the striving so that if it hasn't arisen, if something unwholesome hasn't arisen, you, you generate desire so it doesn't arise. And then the second right effort or right striving is that if there is a risen bad unwholesome state, you abandon them and you apply energy and effort to do so. And then the third one is around wholesome states, that if there is unarisen wholesome states, you generate desire for the arising of them because it is good. And then the fourth one, is that where there is arisen wholesome states, you want them to persist, you want them not to decline, to increase, expand, and to fulfill in their development. So you make effort, arouse energy according to that. Now, the third and fourth efforts are the ones that are most important with reference to stream entry. Because when you are on the path, when you are starting to develop the Noble Eightfold Path, the third right striving is something that is driving you. You actually want to enter the stream and you want to have wholesome states. And so you arouse energy, you make effort and you apply your mind towards something wholesome like stream entry, once return, non-return, arahantship. This is something that is considered a very wholesome state. 
And if you have developed anything wholesome, even before you enter the stream, but anything wholesome that sharpens your spiritual faculties, that develops higher virtue, higher concentration of mind, higher wisdom, then those are the things that you want to safeguard, that you want to make sure that they don't decline, they're not hindered by defilements or hindrances, and any of these wholesome states, you want them to expand and increase. And so when it comes to something like stream entry, this is something that you generate more energy and, and effort towards because it is extremely wholesome. And anything that leads to more greed, hatred and delusion, then those are the things that you want not to cause to arise. And if they have arisen, you want to swiftly abandon and give them up. Now, when it comes to the question about thinking too much about stream entry, again, yeah, Buddha makes distinctions all the time between kusala and akusala, wholesome and unwholesome. So he begins, this is a sutta called the Mano Nibbana Sutta, and it's a discourse between a deva and the Buddha, and it's in Anguttara Nikaya, chapter 1, discourse number 24, and it's about reigning in the mind. And so it begins by saying, if you rein your mind in, from that no suffering comes to one. Should one rein in the mind from everything, one is freed from all suffering. But then the Buddha goes on, one need not rein in the mind from everything when having one's mind restrained. From whatever it is that evil comes, from this one should rein in the mind. So the Buddha says is that if you practice restraint with your mind, that if your security guard is in place because you're practicing higher virtue, then you don't necessarily have to rein in your mind from everything. And instead, what you rein in your mind from is akusala, the bad stuff, the evil stuff, the unwholesome stuff, the, the papakang, the stuff that uh, leads you to more greed, hatred and delusion. And in this respect, so stream entry, any thoughts regarding stream entry really they're on the wholesome side because you are actually moving away from coming back to samsara, that these things are actually things that you can think about. And so if we look at it from another angle, we look at it from the four things that a stream enter has, that one has to have unshakable confidence in the Buddha, in the Dhamma, the teaching in the Sangha, and then in this particular case, you know, possessing virtues dear to noble ones. But if we focus mainly on unshakable confidence or perfect confidence in the Sangha, the Sangha are the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings. And so we understand that to be the stream entra, the once-returner, the non-returner, and the arahant. And the pairing is path and fruit in each category. And the reason that we have unshakable confidence in them is because they're practicing the Noble Eightfold Path, which is good, which is straight, which is true, and which is proper. And so that's the reason why Buddha says that any of these eight individuals, they're worthy of gifts, worthy of hospitality, worthy of offerings, worthy of respect. And they enable an unsurpassed field of merit 
in the world. So these are very, very noble qualities, very kusala. Now, if we, in many ways, talk about stream entry as being linked to something such as craving to exist, then we're actually demeaning, in some respects, these eight kinds of individuals, these noble beings, these aryas, because we're saying we shouldn't aspire to them. And in many ways, we're distrusting the teaching of the Buddha. And if we do that, we're distrusting the Buddha, disrespecting the Buddha. So it's with a lot of caution that we don't do that, that we actually correct this view that stream entry, aspiration towards stream entry, wanting to become a stream enterer, uh, thinking about stream entry is something that is akusala. It's not. It's actually very kusala. And when we aspire to it, then we are really having unshakable confidence that when one enters the stream and develops path and fruit of any of these eight individuals, then it is a very good thing because we are leaning towards Nibbana and the Arahant, of course, has realized Nibbana, has realized the Four Noble Truths in their total 12 insights. So when you look at it this from this angle, if you adhere to a teaching such as where the question is coming from, then one could actually question whether you really have unshakable confidence in the Buddha's teaching of the Four Noble Truths, whether you really have unshakable confidence in the Buddha's teaching uh, and the Buddha himself, whether you have unshakable confidence in the Sangha, these four pairings of um, noble beings. So that's something to actually contemplate. If we really want to confirm about aspiration, particularly right aspiration, you just have to look at a sutta such as the Ayachana Sutta, which is in Nikaya chapter 4, discourse number 176. And this is where Buddha is giving advice about, you know, what a monk should rightly aspire to, what a nun should rightly aspire to. So in the case of monks, it should be aspiring to be like Sariputta or Moggallana. They're, they're the standard and measure for monk disciples. And for a nun, a faithful nun, uh, the Buddha says that the nuns Kema and Upalavanna, they're the standard and measure for the nun disciples. And then when it comes to laymen, faithful laymen, then Buddha says that the householder Chitta and Hathaka of Alavi are the standard and measure for male lay disciples. And then when it comes to lay women, um, Buddha says that a faithful lay woman should rightly aspire to be like the lay women Kujutra and Velukantaki, Nanda's mother. They're the standard and measure for female lay disciples. So you look at these disciples of the Buddha and they are one of, you know, they are of the eight individuals. There are Sotapanna, uh, Sakadagami, Anagami and Arahants in this list. So this is something that Buddha encourages, not discourages. And so it is not true in the sense that one shouldn't aspire, shouldn't think about stream entry, shouldn't train according to the people who are already entered the stream. So we can end with this final sutta, which is the Samudta Sutta. And it's in Sangyutta Nikaya, chapter 13, discourse number eight. 
And it's Buddha's simile about the great ocean, uh, if it were to go to extinction, versus the two or three remaining drops. And Buddha asks the question about which is greater. And of course, the great ocean is greater than the two or three remaining drops. And Buddha likens this to a disciple of the noble ones who is consummate in view, an individual who has broken through to stream entry. The suffering and stress that is totally ended and extinguished is far greater than the previous mass of suffering. Because when you only have seven lives maximum left, then you have a finite amount of suffering left. And in this way, you've actually abandoned um, quite a lot of tanha. Like you've corrected your view so that craving for sensual pleasures, craving for existence, craving for non-existence is actually reduced. And so in this way, what you can understand, the Buddha's teaching is actually moving in this direction towards Nibbana, reduction in tanha, reduction in suffering. And you do this through the Noble Eightfold Path, by developing the Noble Eightfold Path. And so there's a, a, a misapprehension in the question or in the teaching that is uh, what this question is about, because that seems to be going in the other direction or to actually avoid stream entry because it's supposed to foster craving for existence, when in actual fact, the teachings of the Buddha say otherwise. So I think that's enough to answer the question. So we can share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be well. May all beings be free from suffering. Blessings of the Triple Gem. Wishing you all well. Thiruvan Saranai.